Take a look at that screen. Now, that's a question we don't ask much around here, is it? (laughs) And there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. Here's the deal. In our strong word and faith camp that we are in, okay, we teach a lot about not being um, led by our feelings, right? We, We spend a lot of time talking about that. We're very strong on, we're on the word. And you know what? All of this is correct. Amen. All of this is correct. Amen. Amen? And so we're going to talk about that tonight. And I'm gonna, I, but I'm going to look at it from a different angle. We're going to look at your feelings. We're going to find out, are they bad? Are they good? Why do we have them? Amen. So let's pray and we're going to get started. Father, I just thank you so much uh, for this opportunity, Lord, to speak into your people. And you know that I never take that lightly. And Holy Spirit, sir, I welcome you here. I pray that you'll put the words in my mouth that the people need to hear. And anoint their ears that they will hear those words the way that you want to hear them. You want them to hear it, Lord. I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so now... A lot of times, pastor will get up, and he's preaching hard, and he's preaching strong about some concept in the Bible, and he'll say something along these lines. He'll say, I don't care if it hurts your feelings. Get over it. <laughs> okay? And people have heard that, and they've heard that. And, and, and for those that have been here for a while, and they know pastor well, they know his heart. You see? And when he says something like that, they know what he means. They know that he's pointing them towards get on the foundation of the word. Get on the foundation of the word, okay, that we, we, we build this on our word. But there are people that come in, and they have absolutely no idea, and they go, wow, that hurt my feelings, <laughs> okay? And so there's an unintended, it is unintended, I can assure you. I can assure you that pastor does care about your feelings. It is why he preaches the way that he does. You may miss that point, but tonight I'm going to help you with that, okay? It is an unintended consequence of this strong word and faith camp that we're in. There is this unintended consequence where people get the feeling like, well, nobody cares about my feelings at all. They just don't care about me at that church. As a matter of fact, when I was teaching foundations class, and I I don't remember who this was that said this to me, but I remember that there was a young lady, I think I remember, might have been Amber, I don't know, (laughs) but if it's not, forgive me, Amber, Um, came up to me and said, well, I just have one question, Teresa. I said, what's that? She said, if my feelings don't matter at all, then why did God even give them to me? If they're all wrong, why do I even have them? And it's a valid question. It's a valid question. And it's one that I want to talk about tonight. Because like I said, we don't talk about the emotional side of it too much. And there's a reason. We're a church. We're dealing with the spiritual side. But the truth is, is that there is more to us than this, just the spirit, right? Okay. Now, why do I have my feelings? Are they all bad? No, they're not. They're not all bad. As a matter of fact, God created you and he created you with those feelings. Correct? And we, we, dealing with people, trying to work around people's feelings, you may hear people say stuff like, I just wish everybody would get over their feelings. The truth is, is we don't wish that. Because if everybody got over their feelings, they'd be sociopaths. <laughs> sociopaths are people who cannot empathize with other people. They cannot empathize with the feelings of other people. Therefore, they're able to do great harm to other people. 
They're the people that turn into murderers and torturers and weirdos, you know, Jeffrey Dahmers and you fill in the blank, okay? Um, so the truth is, is that we really don't want people to not have feelings. What we need is correct understanding of feelings, both on the side of our, ourselves, where do my feelings come from, okay? What, what am I supposed to do with them? And on the side of being someone who's helping somebody with their feelings. To understand that feelings are actually quite valuable, okay? And so tonight I hope to clarify some of these questions. I hope to clarify. Does God care about my feelings? Does he care at all about what I feel, okay? What, and if so, if so, uh, how am I supposed to deal with these feelings? What, what does it mean to deal with my feelings? What does it mean to deal with my feelings, okay? Now there are two kinds of feelings, or things that we refer to feelings. One is sort of like sensory knowledge. And we all have this. It's more like a sensory feeling. In other words, let's say you go to, uh, you know, you go to uh, Pastor Lisa. You go to Pastor Lisa's house. I'm just using her as an example. This isn't true, okay? But you go to Pastor Lisa's house and you knock on the door. And she comes and answers the door and she says, come in. And you come in and Pastor's over in the corner. And he, he, he hardly even notices you. And Pastor Lisa's like, so, can I get you anything? And you know immediately they just got through having a very intense moment of fellowship with each other. Okay? Now, <laughs> they've had some very intense fellowship before you showed up. Now, that's not an emotional feeling. That's a sensory feeling. That's a type of spiritual discernment, and it serves us well. For instance, one time, um, my brother was living in this place. Now, my brother had many, many problems, and part of it was because he did not know what to do with his emotions. He was very drug-addicted and very alcohol-addicted, and um, for, not to bore you with all the details, I was trying to find him. I did find him. I did find where he was staying. And I was by myself, and I pulled up in the car, and immediately everything in me said, Danger. Danger. Now, that was not an emotional feeling. That was a spiritual feeling that was me sensing that there was evil all around me in that place and that I needed to get out of there, and I did. I got out of there without talking to my brother. Why? Because I had that sensory. Now, we would say, what I would say is that I felt danger, but it was really more of a spiritual discerning. Now, we all have that, and it's good. It's very good. God gives you that to keep you safe. So there are those things that, you know, uh, you get in a lake and there's an alligator and you go, whoa, I was, uh, that scared me and I got out. Well, is that a wicked kind of fear? No, it's not. And I want you to make the, the, judge, the, the distinction between these two as I'm talking so that when I talk about something like fear, you don't misjudge what I'm saying and say, well, some fear is good for us. Yes, sensory fear. I'm talking about emotional feelings though okay so we're going to talk about emotional fear all right and emotional emotions period okay so the first thing is, is is God even aware of my feelings is he aware of my feelings and the answer is yes he is let's look at Ecclesiastes 3 4 it says it is a time to weep and a time to laugh a time to mourn and a time to dance in other words, God recognizes that you're going to have many emotions. He recognizes it. He says there's a time for all of that. Yeah. 
there's a time for that. Let's look at Psalm 56, 8. And I particularly love this one. It says, you number my wonderings and you put my tears into your bottle. Are they not in your book? Are they not in your book? In other words, God's aware every time you hurt. You know, we sing that song, the blessing. In your mourning, in your rejoicing, in your weeping, in your, in, in, in your mourning, in your rejoicing, in your coming, in your going. He is with you. Yes. He is with you. Amen. And he is for you. Amen. Amen. And so, yes, he's aware every time you hurt. He's aware. But it doesn't stop there. See, and this is where we get messed up. Yeah, he, yeah, he knows that you're hurting. Pastor knows that too. But there's an answer to it. He doesn't just know it. He gives you a solution. Okay, and we're going to talk about some of that. We're just, but I'm not there yet, so just hang tight. <laughs> All right, now, 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Let's put that up there. It says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we see here that we, we are, we're made in the image of God, right? And we are a three-part being. We are a spirit, a soul, and a body. And in church, we deal largely with spirit. But I find it interesting here that God said, it, it, this verse says, May God, the, the God himself sanctify you completely. Sanctify your soul, your spirit, and your body. Okay, so apparently God is interested in your soul. Now, what is your soul? Your soul is where your mind, will, and emotions are at. And so your emotions are found in your soul. So apparently God is very uh, interested in that. He, he's interested in what happens in your mind and in your soul. And so this leads us to uh, the next question. If that's to be sanctified, how... Do you sanctify your soul? How do I sanctify emotions? How, how do I do that, right? That, that, that's a logical question. We, first we have to know this. When God originally made you, before sin came into the earth, you were wired to commune with him. And if, you, if y'all are, are familiar with Caroline Leaf, how many of y'all know who that is? And I quote her quite often when I'm talking because I find her amazing. She's a Christian neuroscientist, and she's taught me many things from both the scientific and the Christian perspective, right? And so she talks about the fact that, the, that honestly, our bodies are only wired to experience love. That was the only emotion we were wired to handle correctly. Every other emotion outside of that, be it anger, hurt, unforgiveness, all of that is, was foreign to what God had planned for us. But remember, man fell, and Satan entered into the picture. Okay, And so all these other emotions came about, and so it became necessary for us to learn how to deal with all of these other emotions and what to do with them and how to bring them back into subjection to what God has said about it. Okay, So, first of all, You have to know what are feelings. 
When I say feelings, people get nervous about that, and they're nervous about dealing with feelings because they think of it as something sort of ethereal. You know, and people will say to you, well, I can't help the way I feel. You know, I just feel that way. I can't help the way I feel. Feelings are produced by thoughts. I don't have any feeling that I don't have a thought behind it. And so when we're talking about feelings, all we're really talking about is how you think about something. And the truth is, is that many, many things that happen to us, it is not about the, the, the feeling that we have about it most of the time has very little to do with the person who, who instigated any hard feeling or anything like that. No, it really doesn't. Yeah, it's what we think about it. It's what, it's what value we placed on what they said, did, didn't do. And we have developed those values. Sometimes consciously we know that we're doing that and sometimes unconsciously we're doing it because we have all of these ingrained thoughts in our minds that have come from our life experiences. Uh, you know, the, the environments that we live in, the parents that we grew up with, the things that we've struggled through, and all of that has to some degree developed a thought pattern in your head that you process all information that comes in through that. Okay? And so when you have that person, and we've all met them, that constantly gets their feelings hurt, (laughs) Pastor was telling me this. He was telling me about the Popeye movie, and he was saying that there's this one guy in there that... the father, Popeye's father, that's always going around in every scene and he's listing off everything that they've done to him that's wrong and he's like, you owe me an apology. And then you know how that there are some people that you uh, encounter in life that no matter what happens, you owe me an apology. And the truth is, is that they need to do some soul work. Yes, that is true. They need to do some soul work. Amen? Listen. We're very uncomfortable with other people's emotions. Not only are we unaware of what our own emotions are about half the time because we try to push it away. This is an unintended con. Let me just say this. The proper way to deal with emotions is not to pretend that you don't have any. Okay? People try that. It's not to get ashamed that you have a feeling. That doesn't work either. So... There's got to be a proper way. If you try to stuff a feeling away, it's going to show up in some way. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes. What are the ways that shows up? What are some of the ways that shows up? But we also, because we're uncomfortable with our own feelings half the time, we don't know what to do with them. We're like, oh, I just feel this way because we don't have understanding that it's thoughts. It's just thoughts. And we have control of our thoughts. We'll talk about that. But we're uncomfortable with other people's feelings. Men are particularly uh, prone to be somewhat uncomfortable in the feeling realm. And there's a reason for that. They're wired different than us, but, but they are perfectly capable of feeling feelings, but they're just not always that adept at processing through it, okay? And so one day, I'm going to give you an example. One day, I don't remember what all had happened, but I was in one of those ladies. You know how it can be. Everything was wrong. Everything was wrong. I wasn't, I didn't know what was wrong. I couldn't tell you exactly what was wrong. I just, everything, 
everything was wrong, okay? And all day long, even the stupidest things made me want to cry. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Now, my more logical reasoning self thought, this is dumb. What am I, what am I wanting to cry about? Why am I so upset? I, I couldn't tell you. I really couldn't tell you because I hadn't analyzed it. <laughs> and my husband comes home and being innocent of this knowledge, okay, <laughs> and, and uh, he says something to me, and I can't even remember what it was, but it was so minor. It was really nothing, absolutely nothing, and I bursted out crying. Because I had been on the verge of those tears all day long. I'm like, <laughs> and my husband, not knowing what to do, he comes up to me and he says, this is him, I'm literally, if he was here, he would be laughing right now. He's like, now he's not used to seeing a me like that. That's just not me. I just don't do that, right? And he's like, T. He's like, what's, you're crying. He's like, you're crying. He's like, he's like, <laughs> well, now, because that is so hysterical to me, I bust out laughing. So I just went for a woo to, <laughs> you know, and he's like, oh, my word. He says, he says <laughs> he's like, we're going to have to perform an exorcist here or something. <laughs> he's like, um, um, honey, why don't you go see your friend Robin? Why don't, <laughs> with his eyes really big. <laughs> To say that he was uncomfortable with this emotional outburst <laughs> was an understatement. He's like, you just go see your friend Robin. Okay? <laughs> and we're a lot like that, right? We're a lot like that. Now, that's a funny example of it. But listen, it's just thoughts. Now, how do I know that that's true? How do I know that it's my thoughts that rule my feelings? I've shared many times with y'all that I grew up in a household with uh, alcohol and all the kind of abuse that goes with that, and a stepmother who was a very unhappy person and who made sure that I was unhappy too, and everybody in the household, including her own children. And if she was rough with her own children, then you can imagine what she was like with those of us that were her stepchildren. And being the youngest, I was an easy target, Okay, so I grew up and I had a lot of behaviors. Remember, I just got through saying that a lot of things that you think and that you feel are somewhat unconscious. They're there by the things that you've experienced, the thoughts and the, and, and, and the values that you've placed on the things that happened. Okay, and so I find myself as an adult. One of the problems that I was having was that I would react, overreact. <laughs> overreact to things. I would overreact in anger sometimes when anger wasn't really the proper emotion even. It wasn't even the proper emotion. Uh, you know, Jerry would do something or somebody would do something and my anger would be way out of proportion to what actually happened. And I was frustrated with my own self because I was trying to walk with the Lord and so in my brilliance one night laying in my bed I'm frustrated I tried all kinds I said God can you just help me I mean what is the matter with me I don't know can you just can you just help me well listen God heard that and immediately immediately popped into my mind Teresa do you remember when this and this and this happened and it was events that involved the stepmother and things growing up. And I was like, yes, I do remember that. 
And God showed me, you believed this. Now, I was a little girl, and so I didn't have the ability to reason things out and to, and to have, put a logical value on things, okay? So I grew up believing that there was something wrong with me and that the things that she did was about me and my value, me and my behavior, me and my value. And God showed me, he said, this is what you believed, but here's what the truth is. See, the thing she did was coming from what she believed about her and what she, she believed her value was. It had very little to do with me. I just was in the way of it. I was in the way of a person who had not dealt with their soul and with their feelings. And the, the lack of dealing with that soul and with those feelings produced destruction and pain all around her. And not just for me, for everybody in the household. And really, God showed me very plainly that what I was dealing with was somebody who in their own soul was hurting and had no concept of what to do with that. So from that, I came to understand that the reason I was upset was what I thought it meant. Because God showed me, he said, you thought this. And now that has informed a lot of decisions you make and a lot of the actions you take. When I got that understanding, it changed a lot of things. It changed a lot of things. Now, that wasn't the only part of it. God showed me that first, and I started to say, oh, yeah, okay, I see that. He gave me that revelation. Now, that went on for quite some time. That was not a one-night event because I had a lot of things to work through. I had years of growing up around this kind of household and these kind of people. And here I was, I'd become, you know, I'd rededicated my life to Jesus. I was trying to grow. I'm trying to be different, but somehow I'm not different. Somehow I'm still being the same way that I don't want to be. That's key. I don't want to be that way, but I keep finding myself defaulting to that behavior. So the first step was realization. I had to realize, I just had to have a realization that what I believed about a situation and what was the truth were two different things. From that came the realization that we always go around and, and we attach the value to the words spoken to us, to the circumstances we're in, and to the way other people behave. We attach the value to that. And sometimes our value does not match what the reality is. It, it really doesn't. But that wasn't the only thing. See, the realization of that was not enough. There was another step to it for me to get well from that. There was another step. So God showed that to me, and I felt pretty good, and I thought, wow, this is good. I've got revelation. I'm going to move right along, and everything's going to be fine. Well, guess what? I still had issues. <laughs> well, what in the world? And God said, there's another step to that. I showed you. When are you going to pray for her? When are you going to pray for the enemy? Oh, I didn't like it. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, I didn't like it. I'm like, pray for her. She's been a nightmare. And then God brought me right back. He said, how sad would it be for you to go through your whole life 
feeling unloved, feeling unfulfilled, being miserable in every way, and then die and go straight to hell. To something so much worse than anything you've ever experienced here. Anything. Do you know there's not a person in hell that wouldn't do anything, anything, except any circumstance on this earth? And I do mean any circumstance on this earth to get out of hell? That is true. Do you know that there's not a single person in hell that if you said you could come back and be in my life but you'll have cancer, you'll be maimed, all your family will hate you, you'll have no money and they say I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take it. Get me out of here. That's true. See God made that very real to me. He made that very real to me. And I realized it it did something in my heart. See, I no longer saw her through the eyes of my pain, my hurt, my, 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 my. Amen. You know? Amen. You know that song about you were always on my mind? Well, you know, we go around singing, I was always on my mind. I was always on my mind. And that's true. And God sort of helped me just get over some of that. He helped me get over some of that. But I had to take those thoughts captive. God started to show me the things that I needed to think. The things I needed to think about her. When I started praying for her, I had different thoughts about her. And guess what happened? I had different feelings. And can I tell you something? She didn't change. I did. But can I also tell you she no longer had any power over me. She had no power over me. I could be in her presence. She could say almost anything. I could remain so very calm and give her such a gentle and direct answer that she didn't know what to do with it. I remember the first time we were in that situation and she said something that in the past would have upset me terribly. But I very calmly looked at her and said, well, you know, and I gave her the answer. And literally, I'm not joking, she cocked her head and just looked at me. And she said, well, I guess you're right. Because you see, it really wasn't about me. It was about her. I had assigned the meaning to the interactions. Now, I, I, I was witnessing and seeing a behavior from her that was quite horrible. That is true. I'm not dismissing that. But I was assigning the meanings. And I had control when I assigned different meanings. And when I took control over my feelings. We all have the ability to control what we think. Okay, now let's look at 2 Corinthians 10.5. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. I could stop right there and the whole night's done. There it is. (laughs) But I won't. We still have things to talk about. Literally, Your feelings are controlled by what you decide to think about. 
And the way, it's not just anything that you think. It's not just thinking nice thoughts. I want you to understand what it says. It's not enough for me just to say, oh, I shouldn't think that. That doesn't fix it. It's not enough for me to go, I'm just going to try not to have a feeling about it. That's not going to fix it. That won't fix it. The way we fix it is right here. See, I do have to take out my feelings and look at them. The truth is, is that if I had never taken those feelings out and really gotten real before God and said, what is wrong inside of me? Because something is wrong inside of me. When I did that and I started to do what God told me, which was what? Bring it into captivity to the obedience of Christ. How did I do that? I made a choice of my will to forgive her. Okay, so that was my first step. And can I tell you that pretty much the most of the things we deal with has a root in unforgiveness? The majority of it does. It really does. So my first step was I had to make a choice of my will. I didn't have a feeling. God showed me I needed to forgive her. I didn't get a mushy feeling about her. I didn't suddenly go, oh, bless her heart. I love her. You know, I just feel so soft and loving towards her. I'm going to just forgive me. It's okay that she did everything like that to me. It's all right. No, it wasn't that. As a matter of fact, I prayed a prayer, and I've said this before, but it's worth saying again. I prayed a prayer that went something like this. God, I want so much to obey you, but I don't have a feeling of forgiveness. And what I meant by that was I wasn't suddenly feeling these lovey-dovey feelings like I wanted to do great things for her and all this kind of stuff. I wasn't feeling that. However, I was feeling the feeling of I want to be in obedience and I want to be free. Yes, amen, amen. And I was holding the key to setting me free. It was all up to me whether I would forgive and set myself free. See, unforgiveness is a prison that you've got the key in your own pocket to. You've locked the door on yourself and you're stuck there. You're stuck right there. How can I tell you that? Because I know from my own experience. I know that's true. I know that you'll keep repeating the wrong behaviors and walking in the wrong things and getting your feelings hurt over every stupid little thing that anybody ever says to you about anything. Until... You do the work to bring it captive until you you do this work, right? And so I prayed this prayer, and I'm like, Lord, I I really want to obey you. I I really do. If you can work forgiveness through me for her, then I I, want to do that. I want to do that. Can you work that in me? You know, he did. It started... With me praying for her. It started with me praying with for her. So now I've made progress and I'm able to be in her presence, but I still find myself feeling hurt sometimes. I'm like, oh dear, I thought I was doing good. What's wrong? Well, once again on the counseling (laughs) counseling couch of God, which was my bed at night, (laughs) as my head's whirling around with the thoughts. God said to me, well, there's another step. And this is a step we forget quite often. He said, you didn't ask me to heal the wounds. You never asked me to heal you. There was another step. See, I was wounded on the inside. 
And out of peer protection, sometimes I would do things. I would overreact. I would be certain ways. I would be angry out of proportion because that was my protection. You see, I learned early on if I had a big mad reaction, if I was like fury in motion, well, people would back off. It gave me power. So I would default to that because it helped me feel in control of things and keep people. I'm like, oh, no, they're going to hurt me. And so, rah, you know, I'd blow, I mean, I'd turn into like T-Rex or something. They're like, whoa, sister, what in the world? Okay. And so I had to ask God to heal those wounds. Amen. And then there was another step. I'd like to tell you that was the end of it, but it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't the end. I had to ask God to help me forgive myself. You're like, what? Yes, I had to ask God to help me forgive myself because in that hurt and in those, that process I had said and done and acted and responded and sinned against yes. God. Yeah. Let's call it what it is. Amen. I had sinned against God and I also needed forgiveness. Because I responded in kind to what I was receiving most of the time. Yeah. yeah. Amen. And I went out and I spread the hurt because I was hurt. So sometimes I just hurt other people. Sometimes I just randomly was mean and, you know, said things and whatever. People got on my nerves. They didn't know why. And I didn't care if they knew why. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm being honest. I'm being honest. You see, you guys see me after years and years of working on some things. Amen. God, see, God does things with you. What you see is work that God has done. Yeah. Amen. What I see in y'all is what work that God, God has done. When I see the good in you, it's the work that God has done. Right? Okay, so now let's look at some verses. How does this look for you? How does this look for you? Let's look at Matthew 6, verses 14 and 15. It says, For if you forgive men their trespasses... Your heavenly Father will also forgive you. I want you to hold on to that. Okay? For if you give men... Let's go to verse 15. It says, But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Ooh. I don't know about that. That's, that's pretty stiff right there, isn't it? Now, I've had some people say to me, yes, but that's still the Old Testament before Jesus died. Well, I'm going to give you something that's after Jesus died coming up in just a few minutes. And I'm going to explain to you why I think this is such a big deal to God. Okay? But let's look right now. What if it says, hey, listen... Uh, you know, like I told you, you 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 you've prayed and you said, God, I want to forgive them, and you're still you're still finding yourself uh, struggling. You got to do the rest of the work, right? But what if you decide? And I've heard some people say this too. Yes, but you don't know what they did to me, and I'm not going to forgive them. Let me ask you something. Do you still need forgiveness on a daily basis? Practically, at least a weekly basis. Yes. Oh, I do. I definitely do. And do you want to show up in the throne room without your sin remitted? And you say, I don't know about that, Teresa. I don't know if that's right. Okay, well, let's find out. Let's just find out real quick. Let's go to John 20, 23. It says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain 
the sins of any, they are retained. What? All right, let's look at Matthew 7, 2. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, I got a question for you. If somebody's done you wrong, okay, somebody's hurt your feelings, they talked bad about you, they did something wrong to you, did you ever do that to anybody else? Did you ever gossip about someone? Did you ever criticize someone? Did you ever find fault with the way they did things? Did you ever say, I don't like that person? Did you ever avoid someone? Did you ever look out for your own interest over theirs? Um, if you won't forgive them, it won't be forgiven you. God will retain that sin and he will judge you by the measure that you measured because you retained the sin. So now you have, you have reaped that measure of judgment on yourself. So if I show up before God and Miss Catherine has really hurt my feelings and told me that she thinks that I'm an idiot, okay, and she wouldn't, but I'm just saying that to be funny, okay, and, and now I'm mad at her, okay, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to forgive her because how dare her say such a thing to me, you know, okay. Now, my, there's two things here. One, my pride is involved. And my, my inability or my, uh, not my inability, but my unwillingness to forgive her, I'm saying, now listen to me, what I'm really saying is, I don't care, Jesus, that you died for the sin of everyone. Because I don't think that, that, that count. she did this to me. That's bigger than your sacrifice for her. And God goes, okay, that sin's retained. But now that's your judgment. Because if I will hold her accountable for calling me an idiot, that means every time I've ever called anybody an idiot, every time I've talked bad about anyone, every time I've gossiped, he's like, no, no, you're holding this measure of judgment. Therefore, you will be judged by it. It's not a joke. It's not a joke. I'm telling you, it's not. How many near-death experiences have you heard where people talk about, and I've heard a couple, I've heard more than one, where people, they die on the operating table or because of some accident or however it is that they die. And they show up at the throne. They show up or they just show up at heaven and they get their life review. And you know what their life review was? They get to feel the feelings that they made everybody else feel for every time they hurt somebody. They get to feel those feelings themselves. And then in one case, the, the girl said, Jesus was very upset with me about some unforgiveness. She, and she said, I'm not going to tell you what he said to me. But I knew I must come back and deal with it. And he told her, you go back and you deal with that. In other words, she was retaining the judgment on herself. Yeah. It wasn't that he wanted to judge her. He died for her, but he also died for the other people that she was holding the unforgiveness against. So if she was going to retain the sin of the other people, it was retained. And it was her standard of judgment. And it is no different for us. So how do I take those thoughts captive? I get the word of God out. 
I know, this is heavy. I hear y'all saying, whoa, whoa. Listen, I know Pastor was going to talk about unforgiveness some tonight. He told me that, and I really didn't. I wasn't, that wasn't my main thing tonight. But you know what? That's where I feel the Holy Spirit right now. And so we're talking about it. It's such a huge thing in the church. And in the church, it should be the one place. It should be the one place. We have the life of God in us. We are to be different than the world. We've been forgiven so much. I certainly have. And I'm certain that I'll need more forgiveness before the day, you know, before the day I leave here. And I'm pretty certain you will too. Okay? Now, there's another danger that happens if you refuse to forgive. There's a root of bitterness. Let's look at that. Let's look at Hebrews 12, 15. It says, Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. You hear that? Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Do you know how much havoc is wreaked by people who are bitter? Ooh, lots. They run around spreading the bitterness and many are defiled. See, when I'm bitter, when I'm bitter against Pastor Lisa, then the next time somebody comes along and I have the opportunity to gossip about, but just a little, you know, it's not going to hurt anything. Well, I know you think she's all that, but let me just tell you. Now, that starts out like that, but if you're bitter, it goes something like this. Oh, they think she's all that. I'll tell you what. I could tell you a thing or two. And then they just, a little bit of stuff. Well, you know, I know Pastor's a good guy, but, you know, he did say this one time. I, I don't know. I'm not too sure about that. You know, he's, I don't know what the guy was talking about, you know. And then that person goes, oh, dear, they had a good opinion of Pastor, and then they go home, and they're like, I wonder what that meant. Oh, you know what? I'll go ask Zach. Zach knows a lot of things. <laughs> Zach, you know, um, one day Frank was talking to me, and he said this. What's he talking about? You know what he's talking about? And then Zach goes, oh, well, no, I, you know, well, he could have been talking. Zach's good. He wouldn't. Okay, but, but you get the right person, and see, those people like that, they always seem to find the right person to tell them everything, right? <laughs> to come into agreement with them, the devil makes sure of that. And so then they go, and that person says, oh, yeah, you know, you, you should be glad you weren't here, because let me tell you, this, that, and the other thing, we had to pray really hard, but I got to tell you, you know, he's, he's doing all right now, because we prayed for him, but yeah, he, he's, he's <laughs> I, you know, he's, so, and then that person goes and says, wow. You know, I heard this, that, and the other thing, and, and, and when I got on the Internet, I found somebody that said this, that, and the other, and they left the church, and you know what? It's a cult. Yeah. <laughs> you think I'm joking. It's funny, but the truth is, and, and, and then bitterness gets into a person, and suddenly they're never happy about anything. Have you ever met those people? You ever met them? Nothing ever makes them happy. It doesn't matter what you do or where you go or what's happening. They'll find the negative thing. Man alive, if there's one negative thing in the whole thing, you could have done 20 things that were excellent and amazing and, 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 and above reproach. But if there was that one thing, that one thing, that bitter person will be like, well, 
you see, I told you they're not all that. They're just, you know. And, and besides, I didn't appreciate that, and that inconvenienced me, and blah, blah, blah. Never mind that you did 25 amazing things for them. You've all met those people, right? They go around spreading dissatisfaction. Just yuck. Okay, just yuck everywhere they go. Now, now, the other thing that that root of bitterness leads to is uncontrolled anger. And how many, how many stories have we ever heard? As a matter of fact, I believe it's the book that I used to teach on handling your emotions, uh, the counseling class. I believe it's in that book. I could be wrong about that, but there's a story about a man in there um, who, him and his wife were going through a divorce. And in his upset, and it's not the only story I've ever heard like that. And in his desire in his bitterness against his wife and in his desire to get back at her in a moment of rage in a moment of rage he t- he 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 took his son and 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 he set the house on fire and burned his son alive and and her to get back at her to get back at her and he sits in prison out of that one moment of uncontrolled rage that came from a root of bitterness Men, if you find yourself angry all the time, now I say men, women too, I just told you that I, I struggled with that, but mostly we hear it in men. It's what causes a man sometimes to be a, an abuser, okay? A root of bitterness, the Bible warns against that. He tells men specifically, there's a reason he talks to men specifically about that in, I believe, um, let's see. Colossians 3.19. Let's look at that. Wow, I'm running out of time. I better hurry up. Colossians 3.19. It's out of order. I'm sorry, Tracy. I'll come back. Okay. I jumped ahead, but I will go back to the order here in a minute. Anyway, it says, it says um, husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter against them. See, God had to warn men about being bitter. Has to warn women to be respectful. (laughs) He tells women to be respectful, tells men to be loving and not to be bitter against their wives. Okay? And, And in a moment like that, Somebody can do something drastic. Now, now that's not the only uh, big emotional thing that we deal with. Unforgiveness is not the only big emotional thing. What about grief? And that's a big one. Right? And these are the things that can get us off course if we don't know what to do about it. Let's look at um, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 14. Uh, excuse me, 4, 13 and 14. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Now, we just got through reading a few minutes ago Ecclesiastes. The Bible tells us there is a time to mourn. In other words, mourning is normal when we, when we lose somebody. God never really intended for us to, to, to have to go through the death of our loved ones. There are things that can hurt you so deeply in your soul, and they're not always in your control. Things like that, circumstances can happen. And you can be dealing with grief. But it tells you there's a time 
to grieve. And so what that tells me is that there, he, he tells you don't mourn like those who have no hope. This is what can happen. This is particularly, mothers are particularly vulnerable to this because it is very unnatural for a mother to lose her child. That is not a natural, you know, progression. That's not a thing a mother ever really thinks will happen to her. If she does, she thinks it with horror. She It's just horrifying. My sister lost her son, and I know that that's just a horrible pain. It's a horrible thing, right? It's not normal. It's not the normal progression that you think. Parents die and then kids die, okay? But here's what can happen. See, she had other kids and she had a husband. But in that grief, she withdrew from other kids and husband and became so consumed with the thought of this death, and that can happen with a husband, a wife, a child, a friend. It could happen with anybody that you lose like that, okay? She became so consumed with this that she basically withdrew from her life and no longer wanted to live her life. What's wrong with that, you say? Isn't that like real deep love? You were bought with a price. You are no longer your own. You belong to Jesus. And when I say that I will quit living because some other person quit living, what I am actually saying without meaning to is that that person sat on the throne of my heart, not Jesus. See, Jesus is not on the throne of my heart now. I've made this other person. I'm saying I can't continue my life. My life depended on them, not you, Jesus. I can't continue to live my life. Now, I know that's hard. Listen, I know. I understand. Pain is real. I'm not minimizing anybody's pain. Believe me, I'm not. I know that we, we, we experience things, and it is at gut level. It, it, it's painful. But your God is a good God. Your Jesus is a good Jesus. And if, he took, if somebody's taken out, listen, he's already planned for that, and he still has a good plan for you. He still has a good plan for you, right? Let's look at, um, let's look at 1 Corinthians 6.20. I just said that, but I want to look at it. It says, for you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And so the first step of taking my thoughts captive is to go, you know what? I belong to God. He's the Alpha and He's the Omega. He's the beginning and He's the end. He knows what start what what He knows the story from here to there. And wherever you find yourself in your story, He's already been there and already made the provision. And that means even in grief. Amen. That is that means even in grief, He has provided for you. Amen. Amen. Now, let's talk about let's talk about fear. Now, remember I told you a few minutes ago, fear there's there's the sensory kind of fear that is good for us. It's good for you know, it's sensory. In other words, it's spiritual discernment is what we would really call that more than an emotion. It's like this is dangerous, get out. Okay? Now that's that's helpful fear. But there's another kind of fear that is not helpful. And the Bible has a name for that. The Bible calls that a spirit. Let's look at that. Second Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy 1.7. Uh, 
It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I find it interesting that he attached sound mind to this verse about fear. Don't you? All right, so how would I help somebody who's dealing with this fear? Well, this is the first thing. I'd say you got to take that captive. you got to recognize it for what it is. See, you think it's just these feelings you're having about the things that are going on around you or something that has happened. Well, that may have been the catalyst, but there's a spirit behind it. That's your first step, recognizing that it's a spirit. Okay, people become paralyzed with fear. They won't even leave their houses sometimes for years. They become uh, agoraphobic. You know, they get agoraphobia. I had an an uncle who his wife, I didn't know her very well because she never left the house. So unless we, you know, I didn't know her very well. But she had agoraphobia. And so he went everywhere and did everything by himself. Her kids also, she wouldn't go to any, she wouldn't leave the house. She lived the last part of her life just locked in her house over this spirit of fear. Now, what it started over, I don't know. I'm sure it was some circumstance, okay, or some thought that entered her head over some circumstance, okay, and then then she became paralyzed by it. So, how would you overcome that fear when it's talking to you? Well, first of all, you'd cast the spirit out, right? And then you would remind yourself, you would renew your thoughts, your mind with 1 John 4, 4. Let's look at that. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You're greater than what it is that you're fearing. If you're fearing your future, he that's in you is greater than that. If you're fearing the people around you, he who's in you is greater than that. Luke 10, 19 tells you that you've been given, you've been given power over all the power of the enemy. Amen. That you, you tread on those scorpions. and, and Listen, you tread on the devil. Yes. You have authority over him. So that's what I would renew my mind to. And I would repent. Repent? Yes, repent for honoring what the devil could do more than what God said he could do. For believing the devil's report over what my God has told me. Amen. Amen. And so I would repent for that. Because fear is nothing except believing for the wrong thing to happen. It's a type of faith. It's not innocuous. Innocuous. It's not innocuous. In other words, it's not like, oh, it's okay for me to have a little bit of fear and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just, it's just my little quirk. And, and no, 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 no. No, it's a spirit. And if you allow the devil into one corner of your life, he's going to take over the whole thing. He doesn't care about your boundaries. Get that through your heads, people. You don't get to play with the devil over here in the corner, and then you leave and he stays in the corner that you left him in. That's true. When you invite him in, he's in. And he's bringing death destruction, stealing, and killing. There is, no other, there is no other purpose that he has. Yeah, that's right. He doesn't have boundaries. He does not have boundaries. And he doesn't honor yours. That's right. 
He doesn't honor yours. You don't get to say, you're allowed to, to work over here, but you stay out of this. No, nope. sorry, sister, it doesn't work that way, poor brother. Okay, let's look at uh, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now listen, it's effort. You're not going to be able to say it once when you're dealing with the Spirit, and that's it. Now, I, I dealt with that, and it's it's. It's good. One of the effects of stuffing feelings down is that you can start to, to, to deal with anxiety. True story. People who tend to not look at their feelings and not process their feelings, your body's going to react. Why? Because that spirit's there whether you're looking at it or not. It's tracking you around. It's there, it's creating havoc in your body, it's creating havoc in your life, and you trying to ignore it doesn't make it go away. You have to enter into the battle. Having done all to stand, what? Yes. Stand. Put on the whole armor of God. Why? Because you're in a fight. Yes. You're in a fight, and you're going to have to fight. And you, the fight is real in your emotions just the same as it is in any other arena of your life. You will have to get the word out. It's your sword. So when fear tries to come to me, and listen, we all deal with that. I deal with that. Circumstances start speaking loud. Things around you don't look good. Things don't feel good. You, you know, uh, uh, things happen that you didn't plan on. Things that were out of your control. Other people do crazy things that you didn't expect them to do. And things happen. They do. So what are you going to do when that fear niggles at you? You're going to have to get your word out. You're going to have to slay the dragon. You know, it's funny. We Americans, we pay a lot of money to go watch these fantastic movies where people are slaying dragons and there's fantastical creatures and there's superheroes and, and so on and so forth. Listen, your real life is full of drama where you get to be the superhero, okay, and slay the dragon. You want drama? All you got to do is get up and get your Bible out and get to war, baby. You're the hero. Yes, that's right. The greater one lives in you. The greater one lives in you. Okay? You don't, you don't, you don't need Hollywood to give you some drama. Just live life. <laughs> just, just live your life. It's plenty drama. There's plenty of drama in that. Okay, now, this is interesting because when somebody deals with fear and anxiety, do you know that's pretty much always connected to depression? Yeah. Do you know the Bible tells you that's true? Let's look at Proverbs 12, 25. It says, anxiety in the heart of man causes what? Depression. depression. But what? A good, A good word makes it glad. Makes it glad. A good word. So what is the good words that I'm going to speak when I, that devil comes and tells me, hey, you know, nothing's working out right for you. You know what, Rob? Let me tell you something. Your wife, she don't even care. She don't respect you. And down there at that church, you do all those things. They ain't paying attention. They don't care about that. And you've worked and you've worked and you've worked and, 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 and you've got all this stuff and it don't matter. It don't matter. And you're not happy. 
That's just how he works. I don't see that. That's right. That's right. Good example. Good example. Exactly what he just said. I don't receive it. I don't receive your report, devil. Amen. I didn't coordinate that, by the way. He did that on his own. That lets me know he knows. <laughs> Amen. Listen, you have to pick it up and go, you know what? Mm-mm. Jeremiah 29, 11. Put that up there for me. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you what? A future and a hope. What does depression bring you? Hopelessness. What is the devil trying to bring you? See, he gets you fearful of everything. Then he fills your head with doom and gloom. And he steals your hopefulness. And faith. Hope. Now, hope is the substance of things. I mean, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. See, if he can steal your, if he can steal your hope, then he steals you from moving forward and steals your faith. He steals your faith. You don't even try. So why does he? he listen, the joy of the Lord is my strength. When he comes to try to steal your peace, when he comes to bring you fear, when he comes to try and get you depressed, you get your sword out and you take authority over your feelings because it is connected to what you spend your time thinking about. It does not just happen to you. I know you think it does. People say, well, I'm just depressed. It just happens to me. No, it doesn't just happen to you. It is a spiritual attack. And it starts in what you're thinking. It does not just happen to you. And I can speak from experience on that. Because who in here has never felt depressed? Let me see your hand. If you can honestly tell me that you've never, ever felt depressed in your life, please raise your hand. I'd like to meet you. <laughs> yep, that's what I thought. Not a hand in the building. Amen. So what are you going to do in those times? Are you going to lay around in your bed for days and wallow around in your depression and sleep and cry and moan and groan and hope that another person can make it okay for you? Because other people can't make it okay. It's an inside job. It's an inside job. It really is. Okay, now, I know tonight kind of went heavy, <laughs> and uh, I, I really wasn't trying to make it heavy, but you know, hey, it is the way it is, right? Romans 8.31, then, 8, Romans 8.31, it says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who can be... No room for hopelessness. Listen to me. No room for hopelessness. As long as you've got God, he's got a good plan. You may not know what the plan is. You may be sitting there with a limited vision at the moment. But let me tell you something. As long as God is sitting on his throne, which I'm pretty sure he's still there. Okay? As long as he's sitting on his throne, he is for you. And he's got a plan, and it's a good plan for a future and for a hope. And for a hope. Amen? Now, 
I didn't get to a couple of the other ones, but I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and close. Okay. Um, let's look at Philippians four eight. It says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Amen? So how do I take control of my feelings? What do I do with my feelings? I meditate on the good and lovely things, the report from God. I meditate on the word. I get this out and I find my answers in here and I take control of those thoughts and I bring them into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Amen? And that is the proper way that you use your feelings. Feelings are good. They're not all bad. Feelings allow me to care about Rosie and and Miss Catherine and Pastor Lisa and Zach and Amber. Feelings allow me to connect to children and to to empathize when somebody else hurts and and to to feel the joy of the Lord and to be excited when something good happens and and, and it allows me to be human. Amen? But feelings can turn bad when you allow them to sit on the throne of your heart over this word. And that is the thing that pastor is always talking to you about. He is not trying to get you to pretend that you do not have a feeling. He knows you have feelings. He also has feelings. Pastor Lisa has feelings. They've dealt with lots and lots and lots of people and their feelings. 30 30 how many 34 years of dealing with people and their feelings they're aware that there's feelings they're not telling you don't have feelings what they really mean to you is stop letting the feelings be lord you be lord over the feelings you allow this to take ascendancy over the feelings if the feelings line up with this praise god it's good but if they don't you got some work to do don't get mad. Don't throw a tantrum. Don't leave the church. Don't, don't have a meltdown and fall on the floor and cry and call us a cult. Just get your word out and fix it. Amen? And you can. You can. All right? Okay, I'm going to close now. Father, I just thank you and I praise you for this opportunity to speak into the lives of the people. Father, I pray that these will not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And Father, as we come into these end days, it's going to be so important that we bring ourselves into subjection with your word in every area, including our feelings. You said in the end times that men's hearts would fail them for fear of the things coming on the earth, but that will not happen in our church. We will not allow that to happen, and we will not fall away from the, from the brethren. We will not fall away in Jesus' mighty name. And I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Okay. Yeah, I just want to jump up real quick. Let's stand together. And uh, we have some people from our body that we just need to pray over real quick here. All right, so just get in agreement with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you when we get in agreement. You said in Matthew 16 and Matthew 18 that if any two shall agree 
on earth as touching anything that they shall ask. It shall be done for them by my Father, which is in heaven. I get, I get this wonderful group of believers to get in agreement with me now that every person from our body right now that's in the hospital, I say that God's plans and God's hands are on them and around them now. Only God's plans, only the will of God for what's to happen or what's not to happen. We plead the blood of Jesus over them. We say that Jesus bore their sickness and took their infirmities. We command all sickness, all dis-ease to be gone from them in the name of Jesus. And we we take authority over the devil that would try to hinder their destiny. And we connect their destiny to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we give you praise, Heavenly Father. We thank you that your soul, you have a future. You have a hope for them. You have plans. These are the plans. These are the plans that I have for you. These are the purposes, purposes of hope, purposes of peace, not thoughts of evil, but thoughts of hope and peace. And we speak those thoughts of God over them, of hope and peace and not evil. In Jesus' name, we call them well, we call them restored, we call them whole and ministering spirits. You go out now and you bring to every person in this body, whether they're there or whether they're here tonight, you bring the help and the aid and support that every person in this body needs now in Jesus' name, whether it's emotionally or or physically, or spiritually, you post now. You supply. You are here to be sent on assignment, and we send you on assignment. You go now, and you help aid every person in this body. In Jesus' name, and we all said. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember... Our pastor's vision is this, we grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.